0: A website is never finished, especially a B2B tech website. Welcome to Forward Slash, the podcast that explores how B2B tech companies can leverage their websites to achieve fast, efficient, predictable, and scalable growth. In each episode, I take a big issue affecting the B2B tech landscape and then pick the brains of marketing leaders around the world to learn how the issue affects the questions B2B tech marketers should be asking about their websites and how to answer them. Let's get into it. Melissa Rosenthal, Chief Creative Officer of ClickUp, also advisor to Audience Plus, and quite an established and respected leader in the marketing and creative landscapes. Super excited to have you on, Melissa. I've been trying to get you on here for a while, so this is a momentous occasion for us. How are you doing today?
1: I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be here.
0: Likewise, likewise, we're going to be stepping outside of my wheelhouse today and, and into your world of of brand and branding and and, and the role that it or they. Uh, play in in B2B SaaS go-to-market strategy, especially as it pertains to uh, the website. But I think first, let's start high level. Let's just go through like a really basic positioning exercise. Uh, What is ClickUp? Who is it for? Why should they care? And if you want to round it on the back end, I'm really curious how your role has evolved there as the CCO at ClickUp.
1: Yeah. So ClickUp is an all-in-one productivity platform where you can bring your docs, chats, goals, projects, everything, and all of your work into one place and collaborate seamlessly with your teammates, leaders across the company. Uh, we use it. Obviously, we dog food, our own products. So the entire company uses it, uh, which is a best in class use case when every single person is using the product so that there's nothing lost, no information is missed. So ClickUp is really for any team of any size, any market segment. You know, We have developers using it, product managers, creative teams using it, agencies. So that's the beauty of it. It's super flexible for any team, any team size. It can be as simple and as complex as you need. So uh, it's been a game changer for me working on it and being able to market it. I've dealt with so many other PM tools, you know, work tool, workflow tools in my career. And I was so impressed by the the actual product. A huge reason why I joined, to be honest. Thank you
0: for taking me through that. I'm glad that you touched on that because it is a really saturated market and you can pretty much kind of slot yourself into any company, any departments. I'm curious, what are the main go-to-market motions that ClickUp is kind of leaning into? Obviously your PLG, uh, I'm assuming there's a a sales motion there. What does ClickUp kind of consider itself? And just kind of curious how you think about that.
1: Your your GDM evolves over time as it needs to. Uh, you can't entirely be a PLG company only forever. I mean, maybe you can, but I think the, the days of that are probably over, um, in some capacity. So yeah, the company started out is as, as, you know strictly PLG. Um, through just product loops and really smart growth experiments and being able to get people to invite others to the workspace, there's naturally a, an inclination to, to have others join across your own team. So there is that kind of in-product viral coefficient that you have there to start. So the company was doing a significant amount of MRR with no marketing spend and no sales team before I joined, which was another reason I, I joined. I thought it was fantastic that the product had grown to where it was. But, you know, today it's a much more complex system. We do have a a large sales team. There's sales assist. We have a very complex marketing machine in which we are working cohesively with sales on other motions in terms of live events, webinars, of course. And then there's also the strategic side of how we've built our brand to create demand. And that's really to make noise, take big bets be bold and innovative and really try to stand out because I think it's the trifecta of those motions that you have your PLG, you have your sales assist, and then you have your brand. And all of those things should be working together pretty cohesively to create a a really strong strategy and market where you can tweak different things over time.
0: You guys have done a fantastic job doing that. ClickUp is a gold standard and really excited to dive into everything. But first, what makes you sweat as a CCO? Like what what is going through your head? What keeps you up at night, if at all? Yeah, I
1: mean, you know, first of all, just constantly... Innovating, I would say, is is always that like you hit a standard of which you've tried to achieve, and then it's sort of what's next, right? Like how mm-hmm. does brand branding evolve? How do growth motions evolve? I have a very strong opinion on maybe the future of marketing could be the creation of sub products that get people into your actual product. So there's, you know, things that are I'm thinking about that I, I think are hopefully a couple steps into the future um, of what, you know, with AI, of what can be possible. So maybe it keeps me up at night in a good way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm, I'm constantly thinking about how do we have exponential growth? What does exponential growth at this level mean? The company's growing at a very rapid pace, but it's still always what's next. I always think about that. And just you know the evolution of the brand as you, as you move up market, as you go enterprise, you start to get a lot of questions. It's like, can you still have a humorous approach and a colorful approach as you move into the enterprise sector? My answer is always yes. Like, Luckily, you do have like a fasting class example of Salesforce and other companies that still have a youthful, playful brand in market, but are enterprise level companies. So there's a mix of the, what's the future? How do you uplevel yourself constantly with your team, yourself on what you've built and then everything in the future of like, what, what is the future of like PLG motion? Is it strictly through product? Is it through other products? Is it through funnels? growth funnels that like we should be thinking about now. There's a lot that kind of goes into that. And my role evolves as the opportunities get bigger. When I first started, it was just me and a motion graphics designer and two other designers. And I built the team pretty full out to be able to operate and execute on Massive opportunities, including a Super Bowl ad, you know, at that time, uh, creating constant content, constant communication with prospects and customers, and really being able to handle the needs of a thousand person organization versus a 60 person organization only a couple of years ago.
0: A lot of good stuff there. Like you said, it's not really, it keeps you up at night. It's more so it gets you up in the morning. Uh, I'm curious how you think about brand. What I understand about it, there are multiple elements. And depending on who you speak to, Some leaders are like, brand is a very simplistic thing. It's really just kind of the visual elements, the colors and and, and the fonts. Others go a little bit deeper, like it's tone and all of that good stuff. How do you see brand? What are the different elements? Should all elements be focused on all the time or... Should you focus on a specific element given a specific specific stage?
1: Yeah, Yeah. I mean, for some that I think maybe is a strategic decision to have brand only encompass visual elements such as design and colors and logo. But for us, where we were At that time and where we were headed and where we believed we were headed we knew the brand could be a big differentiator so you know instead of just kind of focusing on that which are still core having you know visual design elements that create like a cohesive experience across everything that you're doing i think is incredibly important i mean it's the key to being able to have that unified visual piece um but at the same time brand when you want to differentiate yourself in market the goal is to really make noise, make people pay attention to you. And what does that mean? It's developing, how do you think about yourself in market? And the way that we've thought about ourselves is we wanna be a coal, a bold, innovative, colorful, loud company that you really can't ignore, that essentially like takes the ride along with you um, in your journey to be more productive. And that's through a humorous lens and a humorous take. And we can be the hero at the end of the day that allows you to be more productive. But on that journey to get there, we're going to make you laugh and create things that you actually enjoy watching and share with other people. And part of that is that, you know, that kind of like gesture uh, feel to the brand and the tone and the personality, which I think we've, uh, we've definitely taken that, that approach in many of our marketing efforts from you know a competitive set of Jira ads to uh, our Super Bowl ad to the content that we produce weekly that touches on the future of AI and things that we want to involve ourselves in um, as it pertains to conversations happening in, in culture. And I think that's also what brand can be. So of course it has to feel cohesive and it has, has to feel like it's coming from one company, but you know, there are certain things the company will become known for. And I think that that's a really big lever that you're able to pull, especially in a very crowded market where it's a, it's a good lever to pull.
0: Thanks for taking me through that. You described the brand. You described ClickUp. How did you take a product uh, and make it into a brand?
1: I think, you know, my experience in B2C media for a really long time allowed me to have a pretty deep understanding of what virality meant, why people share things, what resonates. And then being able to apply that to B2B SaaS and understand like how do you apply that to different segments? Like, how do you speak to developers in a way that they would create, you know, something they feel is for them that they can share with colleagues and friends across the industry. Um, so I, I think, you know, we we created that at the very beginning of like how do we how do we think about this approach? Like this is what we want to be doing, um, and and what can we do to get there? And and a lot of it was like let's take this you, like this B 2 C sort of approach in our tone and our personality where we can relate to, even though we're relating to end buyers. Those are still people, right? And we think of them still as consumers. They're still going to have the same reactions to things that anyone else would have. So if we do that, we get them further down the funnel, and then we're able to relate to them on a deeper level through education. You know, I think that that's sort of that, that flywheel that we're looking for.
0: Some of the conversations that I've been having on the podcast concern breaking into new markets. Um, depending on the market, your value proposition changes, your position changes how is brand brought into that conversation?
1: I think the fact that the brand exists allows your teams to be able to draw from it and in, and be inspired by it. The brand sets that up and then to be able to carry that over. Like for instance, we did um, like for a, a target account, we created a rap video for them to be able to target them with all of their pain points and all the research we did. Now, like we did that strategically in terms of like, we were targeting them and the messaging that we had, but the brand allowed us to have that fun and creative approach to the way that we did it to get their attention. So I think there's different ways of of tying what you've done historically in what feels right for the company and the brand, and then tying that into the emotions.
0: Thanks for taking me through that. I would like to dive a little bit deeper into the website and pick your brain around how you think about it, uh, the role that that brand plays in uh, go-to-market, especially from the perspective of the website. Um, starting high level, how does uh, the brand kind of lead user experience uh, on the website? Curious about that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I would say the user experience needs to be as straightforward and simplistic in in the capacity that you can understand what we do for you, the value that we bring to the table, and why you would use why you would use a tool. Now, the branding might get you there, but it's the goal of the website to deliver on that promise once you get there. Um, I don't know if you've seen any of our out of home ads, but they're very straight. You know, they're very bold, big claims: save one day every week, all, you know, all your work in one place, one app to rule them all. Um, it, it, it's simple messaging that the goal is to drive you to the site, and then the site needs to deliver on all of those promises. Um, so in terms of the you know, the, the boldness of the color scheme, everything that visually communicates that should feel very cohesive to what we're doing in the market. But at the same time, um, it should also deliver on that promise of, hey, this is how it works for marketers. This is how it works. You have a very clear understanding once you land there. And then we're able to take you through the flow of onboarding yourself, onboarding your colleagues, um, inviting other people um, very simplistically.
0: It's a fantastic website. Um, I was, I was on it right before this call, just kind of jotting down, uh, some things I really liked about it, uh, hoping that we can talk about some of the kind of the higher level elements. Um, one of the things I love about, about ClickUp's website is the global navigation. Um, uh, you know, to your point, like simplicity is obviously something that, that, that ClickUp is leaning into bold colors, but there's, there's obviously a, um, there's a focus effort to provide as much context as possible on the website. Uh, what, and this is whether it's on a global navigation. Um, I, I, I also uh, saw that you're leaning into interactive demos. Um, but curious what elements are your favorite on the website? Yeah. Maybe, maybe even exploring areas that you think could be improved or what, where you see it's going. Um, just curious what you think there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we're always trying to refine our messaging and and the way that the website is positioned for the future of the workforce and how we explain ourselves in market and going up market. But at the same time, you know, it has to deliver on what it says. So some of my favorite elements are some of the things that our motion graphics designers worked on, which are these visual animations of what we're actually doing. So showing collaboration in real time, showing how AI works for you, showing multiple people using the product for different things at the same time, collaborating on a whiteboard. I think that's really compelling when you're actually able to see the product being used. Um, and seeing how multiple people can be using it at the same time. So I'm, I'm a very visual person. So when I go to a site and it's just words, I kind of scroll through and I'm done. But if I'm able to actually look at that and take a snapshot in my mind, of wow, look at this whiteboard, the fact that three people are on at the same time, and then they're turning, it, turning the action items into actual projects and tasks. Now that's gonna save me a lot of time in the future. Why would I ever use a whiteboard again when I can use this and actually turn it into a project? Um, and that's also like a huge competitive benefit that we have where you can actually turn, you know, white items on whiteboards into tasks. Um, so I, I love the elements that we're able to draw in that I think make us really different market and differentiate us and also just show and get people excited about the nature of collaboration, the nature of AI, um, the way that you're able to organize your work is, is pretty fantastic. And I think the ability to showcase that in a very neat and clean way. Um, is is the goal, and I think that's also the site. It, the site is very clean, it's very neat, um, it, it's very like straightforward. But I think we're always looking to optimize on how we tell the story of how te- we bring teams together, and that ClickUp is a place where teams work. Um, you can get work done by yourself, but it's way better when you when you have a larger uh, larger organizations and your entire organization is using the product. So I think we're always getting that trying to get better at telling that story, and rather having that value of what do you get out of that when you have an entire organization using the tool rather than individual features, you know, so on and so on. So I think it's that that marriage. It's like, what can you do with it? But what does it actually allow you to accomplish? And I think once you're able to show that, whether it's days saved, minutes saved, time saved, um, communication, you know, streamlined, like telling that story is definitely how you just, we need to continually to continue to optimize
0: I completely agree. There's also obviously the emotional element and that that's one thing that, you know, like you said, that from a brand awareness perspective, ClickUp, I feel like, like I'm walking down the street and, and ClickUp's following me. Like uh, there, there's an, there's an ad on the train. It's like, are you, are you retargeting me with a train? <laughs> like, how do you know? You know, it's like, this is kind yeah. of the experience that I'm having online, but, but it, it, it provides that emotional experience. And then when you land on ClickUp's website, it just kind of,
1: delivers on that hopefully it
0: delivers on yeah but it's like this yeah. makes sense this is what yeah. i've been seeing it, it's like this this larger than life kind of feel to it and there's definitely an emotional aspect one website that i think does a really good job of this that we featured recently is mixed panel i'm curious if you've been on their website but they take emotion to another degree their homepage they have this experience where from the hero section there's this split before it actually gets into service where it's simply just an experience and it takes you through this tunnel where you're like, what's going on here? And then you finally get to like the end of this tunnel. You know, there, there's some more like art involved, but it's essentially the services that they provide. It was almost like it gave me a sense of like, I'm, I'm. it's giving me a moment to breathe, to, to mm-hmm. like take it in. Mm-hmm. And it's it's very much a lean into the emotional. And I think this is very much like the B2C that you were talking about. And there's a lot of opportunity here. And that's kind of where I see the, the future of websites from an emotional perspective. Just reiterating there, I'm cu- just curious if you have anything else to add to that.
1: That's interesting. I haven't been on mixed panels website in quite a long time, uh, but that sounds great. And I I do, I, I do agree that like, you know, there should be some element of emotion that comes out of it. Right. And I think that's sort of what I was getting at in the value, right? Like, what can this bring to my life? How do I emotionally connect with you and make it like, wow, this is like, I I feel like this is going to add value to me. I understand uh, for me or my team, I understand how it's going to do so. And, and again, what you said, deliver on all the promises of all the other content that we're creating. You know, we're creating that so that when you do land on the site, you're excited about what you see and that it connects to that. To your point, like how do you, you know, we, we've started to develop customer stories in which we like tell pretty compelling stories about these really unique companies that are using ClickUp in really creative and, and innovative ways. And I think telling that and having them really front and center as well. Once you kind of get down, it's like, what is the social proof? And it's like, these companies are using it, but we take a clever approach to the way that we do our our customer stories and our storytelling too. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a great point. I mean, there's, there's elements of, um, I would say elements of a lot of different sites that I draw inspiration from just in terms of how clean they are, how simple they are. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I actually haven't seen a ton of sites do the emotional side of it that well. Um, very few, but yes, that's, that's again, you have to continue to be able to tell that story as you, as you kind of go deeper and you're developed uh, and you're, and you're delivering on, on value. Like, I think that's like the biggest thing that I see across the board. Everyone is feature selling. How do you value sell? And value selling is that emotional connector in brand once you land on the site.
0: Uh, that was going to be my next question. What do you wish you saw more of uh, on B2B SaaS, B2B tech websites from a high level or even more granular level where you're like, when you land on these websites, you think like, God, I wish I wish there was more of this. So when you're going through like your own buying experiences.
1: Yeah. I wish that everything didn't feel the same. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> I it's I, I don't know. I mean, how many sites do you visit a day and your brain is just on information overload, like the saturation of what people are trying to get across for, to you in how many minutes or how many seconds you actually stay on the page, or, you know, on a site. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot of information that I think a lot of product marketers are trying to cram down your throat because that's their job. And it's like, how do we fit every single thing that this product does in one page so that you continue on? And I don't know if that's the way forward anymore, because I think to be able to really resonate with someone and connect with them is probably the first and, and, and foremost thing that you need to do. So I think I, I, I wish it was just a little bit more differentiation. I think people get caught up in trying to explain their product in like overly complicated ways. Like let's simplify everything. Let's make it really simple, really straightforward, like show examples of how it's used and what is the value that I'm going to get out of it. And how do you tie me in? I think the the days of getting excited over a website are not as common anymore because there's just, so many people competing in every space, and and it's very very hard to stand out. From my you know B 2 C days, I guess it's just how do you take an approach where people pay attention to you from point A, which is you know seeing a train or seeing an ad, all the way to what that connection is on a site. I, I want to be spoken to rather than just kind of fed information.
0: That's an important point. I think it's pretty clear when you land on a website and the go to market team behind it looked at their competitors and only their competitors or are more customer centric and are actually talking to the customers and trying to understand their pain point. Um, you guys are leading the charge. Like everybody's trying to do what ClickUp's doing. Like this is obviously a B2B or sorry, B2C movement. It's, it's like the golden era of B2B
1: marketing. Yeah. Um, and, and, and one thing is like leaving the site for just a second. I, I think mm-hmm. there's such an opportunity for people to, for companies to involve themselves. And you know, you hear people talk about it. I don't see it as much. Um, and there's a lot of different ways to do it, but involve themselves in the conversations that their customers are having, right? Like AI is huge, right? Everyone is talking about AI. How do you create a piece of content that you're going to have your ICP start talking about? Maybe not about your product, perhaps, but maybe just about real life scenarios. We created a a promo for for our AI product within ClickUp. And it was basically like, don't you wish you could just have I, you know, AI, IRL for, to solve the problems of like slow talkers and people that, you know, and it's just like things that are, that are just so relatable and funny that you're going to be like, all right, that's really funny. Like, obviously that's not going to tell me how I can use the product, but you can imagine it's, it's it's using summarize in real life. So it's, it's series like that. And it's thinking like that along the lines of like, what would people actually talk about. And then the use case is pretty straightforward. You can summarize an article, we'll show it at the end, but the commentary is about culture. It's about communication. It's about technology. And I think those are the pillars you can hang on to and market um, that more people can explore. There's a lot out there and that's how you connect to people. Prospects.
0: I've been exploring how the website should be able to, to span the entire customer journey from, from prospects, you know, Mm -hmm. from acquisition, activation, retention, expansion. Uh, I'm curious, there, there are resources on the website. One of them is ClickUp University. Are prospects using that more? And that's a, that's a channel into the product or is that an expansion tool uh, among customers or is it both?
1: It's both. If you can see on our YouTube, we also make um, several of those courses free to start. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as a as a funnel, it's like, hey, how do you how do you use ClickUp? What's the 101, the 102? Um, And we feed them through that. So by the time that they're actually users and and expansion, you know, focusing on expansion, they're they're later in the courses. So it's strategic for both. But yeah, I mean, ClickUp University has been an amazing tool. They're able to get certified. They're able to post that on social to show that they have their accreditation within ClickUp University. Um, so it, it's, a, it's a funnel in many, many ways.
0: You're big into experimentation. I'm curious what that looks like. How is experimentation approached? The frequency, the setup, what are you guys doing?
1: The growth team that we partner with, um, they are running... I mean, hundreds of experiments a month. Like you can imagine how many experiments work and how many don't work, but you are constantly t- t- testing and iterating across the entire site, across different pages, across different strategies, thinking about like, hey, if we uh, allow people to invite X people through onboarding, like what, what is the expansion rate there? It very much is a experimentation focused company and growth through those product loops So how do you get more people on quicker? Um, How do you create an onboarding flow that enhances their, like, that they get through faster? Um, How do you get them set up more quickly in the product? Are there mechanisms that you can use in product to allow them to invite more people? I mean, obviously, you know, there's a lot of those companies like Slack and Dropbox that mastered that very early on um, and, like, really figuring out what are what is that holy grail of, like, the that K factor of, of virality within the product. Um, and I think, you know, ClickUp's figured out a bunch of those, but there's obviously always more that you can do. So I think it's, it's figuring out like, how do you continue to, um, innovate on, on in product viral loops and growth?
0: Um, strictly from a, from a production standpoint, let's say, you, you know, I'm sure you're getting a lot of traffic to your homepage. I'm, I'm assuming there's a lot of experimentation going there. Yeah. Um, what do you recommend for teams? And and this is like from uh, like production or, or like uh, let's say asset ideation through to uh, publishing the experiment or, or pushing the experiment live on the website. There's a lot of steps there between, you know, marketing yeah. design uh, uh, development and getting it pushed. Any tips uh, as far as process optimization there, team structure, what have you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess to to make it, the most simple way I can put it really is if if you have an idea for experimentation, it's typically going to be based on something, something that you've seen in a, a small, um, a small idea that that has like worked in some capacity before. Um, mm-hmm. I would just recommend creating an MVP of whatever that is. Um, I think we've, you know, historically some, some things we've done, we've over, over-designed or overworked on, you know, to create a really great, perfect version of that first iteration of whatever that is. And then if it doesn't work, you're like, oh my God, we sunk all this time into this. Like, did we really need to do that? So now I think it's creating that MVP of what do we think can actually hold ground and, 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 you know, create a statistically significant experiment for us um, and then move forward faster on that rather than just like, spending a ton of time on it. I think the faster that you can move on MVPs of experiments where you're not testing it to hundred percent of your audience, you're segmenting it to to 20 to 30%. Um, you know, they're getting different variations of whatever that is. And then you're able to test from there. Um, that's the recommendation. So I think it's it's you're constantly testing on your site, obviously test to a, a small segment, not hundred percent, and then create an MVP that is worthy of that test but isn't you know throwing your entire production system off to be able to create that test. Um, the more quickly you can move, the better you can you can you know make decisions and the faster you can make decisions. And that's what I've learned from from sort of growth experimentation and and putting you know design and motion graphic resources towards that.
0: Gotcha um thanks for taking me through that uh, w- one question that came to mind um, experimentation is the full spectrum you can experiment with little things you can experiment with big things maybe it's even like adding a whole new like, experience to the website <laughs> what yeah. happens like a unit like a university how yeah. do you prioritize what bets to take in that regard um,
1: yeah uh, I you mean know, every
0: company is gonna be different but curious what you think about there
1: I mean it's it's really just like scoping out what the mm. what the opportunities are what the the you know the bandwidth of our team is what we what we think will be quick wins versus long tail wins um, and thinking about it in, in terms of like a, a linear path of like, all right, these are the experimentations we're going to run this month or this quarter. Uh, th- these are the resources that we have. These are the things that we're going to prioritize. I mean, it's just ruthless prioritization, which is it becomes tough when you have a thousand people at a company and everyone wants to You know, experiment in different ways. And there's a million things that you can actually do to increase expansion and retention. And I mean, that's exciting, right? Like if you you could run thousands of experiments, I think it's just how do we what do we think will make the biggest impact? And we're taking bets. It's the same thing on on any side of, of of marketing as a whole. You're you're taking bets on what you think will win. What can you create quickly versus what's longer tail? What's gonna have bigger impact on the brand versus you know, have a lower CAC. You know, on on the marketing side, it's it's kind of all weighing all those things, and it's the same thing for experimentation and growth. It's it's what can you push out? How many experiments can you push out? You know, email is a lot easier than than building something that's going to create a new experience on the site. So I think it's just weighing that, um, which is a I feel like a an overly simple answer, but but it, it's complex when you're thinking through. All of the different things that you can do to, uh, you know, enhance acquisition and growth and retention. At
0: the end of the day, as long as it ladders up to the the high level business goals in some some way or another, that's uh, I guess that's your your initial direction, if you will.
1: Yeah, and I mean, you want to see significant lift, right? Like Mm -hmm. you you want you want to see large margins on on what you're actually. Um, able to increase through these experiments. So I, you know, that's what you're looking for at this stage of a company, big wins consistently.
0: Totally. Uh, So we are, we're, we're coming on uh, up on time here. I, I, you said something at the beginning that I, that I have to poke at a little bit. You mentioned something about pre-products as an entry point into the product as, as like the future of marketing, if you will, mm-hmm. I've been I've been thinking about this myself. When you said that, I got really giddy because one one of the things that we lean, in, lean into here is uh, uh, we call them demand generation toolboxes. These are essentially okay. like fr- free calculators, free yeah. Yeah. generators of source on the website. In some way, you can connect these dots to the product in some abstract way. Um, I see marketing reaching out to customers, understanding what all of their little pain points are around the product creating free tools on the website. I see this performing really well in dark social. Um, is that, yeah. is that what you're thinking as far as like, and now all we have to do is connect the dots to the product because it's related in some way and maybe yes. eventually build it into the product or maybe in its own company, uh, like down the yes. road. Yes,
1: I'm thinking of it. Um, I'm thinking of a duality of that, I would say. I'm, I'm thinking of what you're thinking about, but then I'm thinking about basically create products that, touch on the pain points of your ICPs and your segments that have nothing to do with your product. Maybe they enhance information. Maybe they're able to talk about what your, your markets or your targets are talking about. Maybe, maybe they enhance your ability to do something um, and capture conversation, but they might have nothing to do with your product at all, but they are funnels. I, I don't know how much more I want to expand on that part, but uh, <laughs> yeah, but, <it's> <laughs> but, but yes, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that's like entirely an entire new generation of what we're going to see in terms of marketing and growth. Like that's the next lever that is untapped, especially with AI. Like I think, you know, content marketing is going to become really hard. It already has. It's so saturated. These blogs still work, it still converts, but you're going to see diminishing returns on that over time, especially with AI. So how do you stand out? How do you think about things? How do you leverage AI to create things that can stand alone on their own and start to drive demand? I, I like your, your term for it, demand. What is it? Demand gen toolbox? Um,
0: demand. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: I, I, yeah, I mean, that that's a hundred percent kind of where my mind goes is like the next wave of like, how do you actually grow outside of like, and, and how do you stand out, um, in a, in a really crowded market? And I think it's, it's allowing people to have, um, to see value immediately through something else that eventually ties its, its, its roots into the product.
0: I, I think, yeah, I, I think that's the future of demand generation and, uh, emotional connection too. It's like, this company has nothing to do with what I'm trying to do here, but they're still, they're trying to help out.
1: And and if that, if that can create a ton of word of mouth for you, you know, like, you know, you're, I think we're going to be looking for things that are going to create virality um, through word of mouth because they're just so useful. I mean, like, you know, what AI is today, everyone's talking about it because people are realizing like, this is a tangible thing that can help me get work done. What is the next version of that? you're seeing some some parts of that already, but I'm I'm excited about that. I think it, that's certainly the future.
0: That's the perfect way to close this. Thank you so much for bringing that up, Melissa. That was great. I I hearing the, hearing that come back from somebody um uh, that, that's just like that's awesome. That was a great. No, way to close yeah, this. no,
1: and it's cool that you're thinking about that, and others are thinking about it as well. Um, it's very exciting.
0: So I've got a couple of uh, I, I guess we can call them rapid fire questions. That seems to be what everybody calls these questions uh, for you before we close out. Um, Favorite B two B SaaS website other than ClickUp.
1: Um, I really like the way that Linear lays out their their site. It's a tool focused mostly for developers, but it's really clean and really easy to navigate and um, great interface. So,
0: awesome. We'll have to look into that. Who are your sources of inspiration and education?
1: Mm, that's a great question. I. Again, I I think like inspiration has become so democratized that I'm like inspired much more now by just things that people are sending me, occasional newsletters, exciting marketing that I'm seeing, things that people are writing on LinkedIn. I don't know if it's one source anymore where it used to be like, I read this newsletter every morning or. I read this one thing by this one person. I, I don't find that. I find that I'm inspired by a lot of different things that I see every day across multiple sources. So I think it's just so decentralized that that's sort of the way that I find inspiration.
0: No, I'm with you. I think that's, uh, that's perhaps the positive and the negative of social media is that there's so much stuff passing through our feeds that it just got increases the, uh, the likelihood of, of being inspired by something. There's obviously a negative point uh side of that too <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> that we don't need that we don't need to explore. Um, but any upcoming events uh that you or ClickUp are gonna be taking a part of uh up, yeah, part in? Um
1: we've been doing um weekly meetup user meetup groups that we're really excited about. They're called ClickUp, like spelled like click. Um, but they're for people that are either interested in the product or using the product at, you know. Active users of the product to meet up in local cities and connect with each other. Um, really trying to build the community in person. Uh, we've, I think, we've done a good job of that online, but I think you know now to actually have people to be able to leverage best tips and tricks and tools and just talk about their companies and create a community of like-minded professionals is sort of where we are. So um, we have a ton of those coming up. Check the site under events. We we list them out and on our LinkedIn, and they're they're great events. So attend an upcoming one
0: there you have it. Uh, and where can people reach you? It's pretty much LinkedIn, right?
1: Yeah. LinkedIn. I'm, I'm very, very active as you can probably attest on LinkedIn. I'll, I'll get back to you very quickly.
0: Melissa, this has been great. Um, you know, this is, this is still a relatively new, new podcast. This is episode 22, I believe. Uh, so thank you for, for the early support. Uh, thank you for guiding me through this, uh, this, this, uh, landscape that I'm not familiar with branding and, and the roles that it plays and go to market, uh, go to market strategy. There's a lot of stuff here that we're going to be able to take back.
1: Um, hopefully this isn't the last conversation, but thank you very much. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. This is great.